Hello and welcome to the Writing Hockey Podcast. My name is Seth Roblon. This is a project of the Professional Hockey Writers Association where we try to go into the nuts and bolts of being a hockey writer with members of the Professional Hockey Writers Association, or for those of you who are acronym-minded, the PHWA. Again, my name is Seth Roblon. I covered the Penguins for nearly 10 years in Pittsburgh before taking a sabbatical simply because I was burnt. Wait, wait, wait. I'm back covering the Penguins. Yeah, ever since we last talked in this podcast... I was lucky enough to join The Athletic, and we helped launch the site in Pittsburgh along with colleagues Josh Yoey, Jesse Marshall, and Mark Caboli. Uh, suffice it to say, I'm really happy to be back doing the only thing I really know how to do. Uh, my downtime did uh, you know, did a lot of good for me, a lot of uh, just, uh, just ways to refresh and recharge, but uh, I'm through the roof to be back uh, doing this job. So uh, that's maybe one of the reasons why this podcast hasn't uh, been around for the past month or so. Uh, I was just a little bit bogged down with trying to get the Pittsburgh site up and running. Uh, plus, with hockey season going, it's it's hard to get a hockey writer to kind of give you a half hour here or there. Uh, so my apologies to the dozens of you who listen to this for uh, being lax with this duty. Uh, that said, uh, I'm back on the job and uh, the season's on. Uh, and uh, I want to try to do as many interviews f- for this podcast in person as opposed to over the phone. I think uh, the conversations flow a little bit better when you do them in person. So the schedule for this podcast might be a little bit inconsistent. Uh, but today uh, we're back and uh, we talked the business with Sean Leahy, who recently joined NBC's Pro Hockey Talk. Uh, Sean and myself were each at Madison Square Garden Tuesday for the Penguins-Rangers game, and we ducked into the radio room to record this podcast. So uh, you might hear a little bit of the ambiance of the streets of New York, and that means you might hear a siren or two in the background. Uh, We talked about what he hopes to build with Pro Hockey Talk, his time working for Yahoo's Puck Daddy blog, and what it's like being a hockey writer in New York City. We also uh, talked about the one time we went to DJ's in Weirden, West Virginia for ribs. I hope you enjoy. Before we get going here, I want to recap a uh, incident between you and me and Greg Wyshynski when we drove to West Virginia for ribs. Yes. Was that not easily the best day of your that life was, as a professional hockey writer? Was that the, the draft, right? Yeah, Where 12 draft. DJ's ribs in West Virginia, going in your car for about yeah. half hour, 45 minutes on like a Friday night or Saturday night. Late afternoon or whatever. At late afternoon and going through some, some sketchy, sketchy road, yeah. backwoods, and but once we got there... You were right. Pierre Laviolette was right. Those ribs were were outstanding and absolutely worth the drive. I just remember we got to the car, my car, it was on top of a parking garage, and there were like random pieces of firewood in the back of my <laughs> car, and you were just really like, "What? What am I doing?" I was just hoping the ribs were worth it, and it was worth you know sorting through a lot. Of the best stuff. part was like the next day, like because there was like you know we went the day before the draft actually started, and then the next day there was like. You know, the draft didn't start till like seven o'clock, yeah. eight o'clock, or whatever. So a lot of people had time to kill. So a lot of writers like ended up driving to the middle of nowhere in West Virginia in the tip-top panhandle, so they have these ribs, all because Pierre Laviolette and we hyped them up on Twitter and everything like that. Yeah, so. it was it was delicious. It was really one of the best meals I've had when I've traveled on the road. Absolutely, <laughs> literally and, on the road that time. Yeah, literally on the road. I mean, it's thirty, forty minutes away out of the way, but it was it was amazing. Really good. Uh, moving on to something that actually. Here's to our, our line of work here. Uh, you're now with NBC Sports, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened not even like a month ago, I'm guessing, officially, right? Yeah, officially uh, a week ago. Okay. Uh, it's been in the works for, for a while, but um, happy to get going and um, moving past the Yahoo Sports. So, I mean, uh, what's it like uh, making that jump? I mean, obviously, it wasn't an easy summer for a lot of us in this industry. A lot of people lost to work, uh, yourself included, uh, me, you know, a few months ahead of time, but... Um, what was it like uh, when, I mean, how, what was the process? Did NBC contact you or you contact them? I mean, what was the uh, process? Yeah, it was, um, uh, I got notified from Yahoo like two days after the Stanley Cup final ended. 
in, in late June, um, and then my last day there was like the middle of July, like the 14th or so, 14th, 15th, um, and then maybe like two weeks later, NBC contacted me, and we got in touch uh, thanks to uh, Mike Halford and Jason Bruff, who were running the site for the last several years. They were taking a, a full-time radio gig uh, with TSN in Vancouver, as well as starting up the uh, Athletic in Vancouver as well. Um, so when they were kind of moving on, they told NBC, hey, we got a perfect guy for you. They recommended me, and just got started talking at, at the end of July, and worked through everything and uh, started last week. So good, excited to get going. What's uh, what's the approach you want to take? I mean, I know you're still just getting your feet wet here. You're maybe trying to figure out maybe a workflow and all that. But what's the approach you want to take with the website? Kind of what we did at Puck Daddy, where you're not grabbing every single bit of news. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, a, a guy getting upset, up and down, fourth line, whatever. I, I told my guys, you know, Adam Gretz, James O'Brien, Cam Tucker, and Joey Alfieri. I want them to be able to stretch the legs and and write stories, go in depth. If a, if a trade happens, a sign happens, don't give me the news. Give me your opinion. Give me some insight. You know, who benefits from this trade? How does this sign affect the team's cap situation this year and beyond? Like, find an angle, a unique angle that a reader's going to want to read about. Yeah. Kind of what you know, write what you want to read about, and, and go from there. And um, uh, talking to each of those guys, that's kind of something that they wanted to do. That they were kind of you know hankering to do over there, and they seemed pretty open to the idea. So. We're just getting going. Like I said, I started a week ago working with those guys, and um, it's going to take some time, but I think we're going to move in the right direction. And your crew, I mean, these are guys, they're, I mean, they're guys and girls. I'm not sure if you have any ladies on staff yet, but um, I mean, you're, you're, they're, at, they're at games. They're at practice yeah. and stuff. They're not just sitting on their couches and computers. And maybe that's part of the job sometimes, but I mean, they're actually going to, to games and places, talking to coaches, and they're actually getting original content. I mean, that's... That's a goal you want. I mean, yeah. me, right here, we're talking to MSG right now. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just because I guess they're so programmed in ways to grab every bit of news that comes across the wire when they're on. But now it's like, go to a rink, get the story of the day. If there's a storyline with a team or a player in your in your city, whether it's the home team, or the visiting team, um, do a Q and A with a player or a coach or, or yeah. something related. Just something unique, and, and you know, bring out some personalities, players. Bring some flavor, and just like I said, find find an angle that's not just the news because we all know the news. We all yeah. have Twitter. We all know this guy signed for this much, this much, this much. Give give me a unique angle how that contract is going to affect this team, this player, yeah, whatever. That's the one thing I, I've always appreciated, and something I've always tried to do. Like not to pat myself on the back here, but you know, this past week I you know I went to Penguins morning skate in Pittsburgh. They were playing the Panthers. There wasn't really any sort of obvious storyline, so I went to Chad Ruedel, who's from San Diego, and I asked him about the wildfires in California, and he gave me some good insight. Talked about when he was a kid, he had to be evacuated twice, and um, and not that Chad Ruedel's thoughts on wildfires, you know, are going to change anything in the grand scheme of things, but I, I was proud that that was. I thought that was a kind of a different approach to take, and yeah, I'm, I'm refreshed or happy to see that you guys are maybe going to take that type of approach. That's kind of what we would. Our whole thing was at Puck Daddy. Yeah. We wanted to find. Obviously, you're gonna grab the big news of the day mm-hmm. because you have to cover that. But stuff like that, like the Chad Ruder story, go and find those things. Go yeah. find those unique things. Stuff you're not gonna find. I didn't see that story anywhere else other than at the Athletic. That's kind of what what I want to do. Is you come to Pro Hockey Talk, find some unique opinions, some unique angles, but also some, find some original stuff that you're not gonna find anywhere else. Like I said, that's what we. That was our approach at Puck Daddy, and that's why I want to bring the NBC. And I'll be honest, I, I, that was maybe a criticism I had with NBC Sports beforehand and some other sites uh, where they just would grab, say, a tweet that someone fired off. And, you know, For instance, Ian Cole, it might be a game-time decision. Some website out there might just grab that tweet, 
credit you know the writer or whoever's reporting it, then put some spin or take on it, and uh, they get all the benefit in terms of uh, you know in this case just web hits and advertising right. and stuff like that. So um, that's. Again, that's a common criticism I had of NBC Sports, but I'm glad to see that now you're taking reins. You may be taking a different direction. Now. Yeah, in, in some news, it's like the the news is in the tweet. Yeah, you know, and why am I clicking on your link if yeah. the news is in your headline? You know, I already there it is. I already know what it is. So we want to find you know unique angles to take and just give readers a reason not only to read the story but also stay and check out the other stuff not on just pro hockey talk but maybe if you're interested in soccer pro soccer talk or yeah. hardball talk or pro football talk or whatever you know stay within the the talk pro yeah. the pro talk uh world on nbc and i'll be honest that was one of the reasons i actually maybe kind of slowed down on twitter because you know if i was the first to tweet that you know mike sullivan said connor shear is a game time decision <laughs> and you know there's 14 other people tweeting in tweeting the same thing after me or on the same scrum you know what's the point because yeah. No, those are actually getting any sort of benefit out right. of it, whereas some aggregate site would. So. And it's always fun during the Stanley Cup final, you know, yeah. you're tweeting, which, is it Flurry coming off first yeah. or Martin, Matt Murray coming off first? It's yeah. like you have 37 people in your timeline just yeah. flooding you with Murray starts. So I'm sure, you know, it gets tiring yeah. after a while. Um, let me ask you just about the whole art or practice of aggregation uh, versus original work. I mean, what's the... Um, there is some aggregation, like you said, you do have to do at some points, uh, but... Uh, what's the balance between the aggregation and you know, realizing this is a story everyone else is going to have versus an original piece of work? I mean, what's? I think it's just a matter of just finding a, a different angle. Like, yeah. you know, at Puck Daddy, you know, perfect example here. here this is a perfect example. Remember the the little kid who did the Herb Brooks speech? Yeah, yeah. And all the sites just did the video. Mm -hmm. Well, what we did, we tracked down the kid's dad, talked to the dad. Got a little backstory about how, you know how, how the kid was yeah. so obsessed with that video and, and, and the speech, and that's how we displayed our story. And that's kind of that's kind of what I think more people want to see and, and read. You know, they great Herb Brooks kid. That's funny, but yeah. get a little backstory behind it. You know, why is it? You know, who is his family? You know, the kid does the kid play hockey? You know, how much does he love the Herb Brooks thing? It's just just finding different pieces to take from a story that's just not the face value of. Here's a fun. Here's a fun yeah. video. Or here's a great goal. Well, where was it? Who yeah. scored it? You know, uh, was it a big goal in the game? You know, something like that. And I think over time, I've come to find that you know readers appreciate taking that next step and just providing a little bit more information, just because you know you want people to stay on your site, yeah. not just, just click and go away yeah. you know, quickly. What's the? Um, is there a balance between analysis and opinion for what you might want to do here? I mean, are you outright allowed to? write out an opinion piece or is it more analysis No, you, you can do both. Obviously, writing for a rights holder, there yeah. are certain things you, you have to, uh, you know, you got to toe that line a little bit, but um, I don't see any, you know, I don't see me writing a 1200 word yeah. take down of Gary Bettman tomorrow. So, yeah. um, but obviously, look, I mean, when there's times to criticize, you got to criticize just yeah. how, how it is. And, uh, obviously, analysis, people like the analysis, mm -hmm. just whether it's fancy stats or, Breaking down a goal with video, uh, you know, more and more people are, 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 take, are liking that approach to, to reading about their sports or, or whatever they're interested in. So, uh, I think over time, you know, we'll get to that, and I think we'll, you know, it's early days, but I think we're going to find a nice, healthy balance. Um, I was going to ask you, they are a partner with the NHL. I mean, uh, does that create any issues as far as editorial control? I don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> Just, don't, but I, I did. I have asked that. You haven't gotten that email yet. No, it? yeah, I haven't. Uh, gotten an angry email from anybody, but I, I've asked that question, so it's just, you know, I guess it's just the final, it's just one of those things you got to find yeah. out, you know, and 
like I said, it's, I don't see us. Obviously, I know the, yeah. what the line is, and you're not going to be, you know, writing hatchet jobs on yeah. the NHL and their executives. But you know, there are times when they're going to need to to criticize, and you know, obviously, you just got to you know see see what happens and see how far you can go, really. So no Pierre McGuire tweets, right? <laughs> oh, what? No, Pierre's great. I love him. Um, one thing I also wanted to mention too, or ask you too. I mean, does that even open some doors for you as a rights holder? I mean, I know. Um, I think they had the media day here in New York, the NHL offices, and I think some outlets were had their request declined. I mean, does that open up a door for you in that maybe that instance if you're covering, say, a, a big event like an outdoor game or an all-star game? Do you does that are you part of that as well? I'd imagine so. I mean, we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Um, I wasn't officially hired at the media day, but I, I was at the media yeah. day two years ago with, with the Yahoo. So um, uh, I, I imagine for like an NBC type event, like a Winter Classic or the Draft, you know. Potentially, there could be some some benefits there. Just we haven't gone down that road yet. But obviously, uh, with what I want to do with the site, I'm going to be looking at all avenues with, yeah. with it. You know, what I can do and how I can take advantage of those kind of benefits. Uh, asking about Yahoo, um, if you don't mind, just you know, what was it like when you got the news? I mean, was it was the writing on the wall? I mean, it was a much larger situation. There was say the Verizon sale and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and some of your coworkers had you know been laid off or let go. A few weeks beforehand, but you know, was the writing on the wall? Did it catch you by surprise at all? It was. It was a big shock because yeah. they um, they laid off Josh Cooper and Jen Neal during like the second or third round of the playoffs, and you know, we thought, okay, Greg Greg Rashinsky and myself thought, okay, that's yeah. terrible. It, it's gonna it's, it's really gonna hurt us. Concern at that point in the season, but you'd think, okay, that's that's it. They're not gonna cut anything else, and then. You know, I get home from the Stanley Cup two days later, and I, I think it was the day the the, uh, the sale went through. I get the call saying, you know, your, your last day is going to be this, and I'm just you just you kind of go in a fog. You're, you're, you're in disbelief because, yeah. you know, I, I started at Yahoo in 2008. I mean, I was Greg's first hire. I, my first story went up like day two of the site, mm-hmm. and just have helped it grow. You know, over these nine years, and you, and you just you didn't see it coming. You had no inkling, uh, no warning. And because it was like, okay, well, they're getting rid of me. If they're just going to leave with with Greg, yeah. with just one person. Like it, it, it didn't make any sense, along with the disbelief. So, um, and then the next week, going to the draft in in Chicago and then seeing everybody, uh, it made it tougher. Because it's yeah. like you know, you get to know, you go on the road for the like the Stanley, especially June. You go on the road for the Stanley Cup and the draft. You see a lot of the same people, a lot of the national people, and you, you get to you know a close knit bond you develop with these people, and then. After the draft's over, you don't know what your future is. Yeah. So I, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen next. Um, so it was kind of like a lonely feeling, and just you know, you, you've done this thing for nine years every single day, and all of a sudden it's it's gone. You're yeah. like, well, what am I going to do? Like, who am I? You know, what's next? And you you, you get scared because you know you look you saw what happened in the spring and early in the summer in the business with ESPN and all these other sites, you know, laying writers off, and you're just thinking, okay, well, I can't really look there because no one's, yeah. you know, they're, they're taking a part. They're they're part of the, their NHL business. So um, it was definitely scary, and uh, but it was good to see as the summer went along, the athletic hiring tons of people and yeah. other other places hiring, and then obviously you know NBC, you know, reaching out to me and, and, and connecting. And, you know, but obviously there's still some people who are out there in that yeah. limbo. So it's, it's just definitely it's, it's a tough business, and going, going through that for the first time, it's. Uh, it, it, like I said, it's pretty scary. Yeah, I, I, mean, I went through it myself for about ten months, and you know, you, you kind of described like it's an existential crisis. Like, because yeah. I'll be honest, I, I, just for my own personal amusement, I, I applied to be a groundskeeper at the Flight ninety three Memorial in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, because I, I spent some time out there. My buddy has a lake house there. I mm-hmm. Kind of lived there for a few months, but 
uh, just for my own personal amusement, I applied to be a groundskeeper, and I got back like, through the federal government website and got this cold antiseptic rejection letter back that said I didn't have the required education to cut grass and plow snow. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't do this either, I guess. So, uh, and, you know, you know, and thankfully, again, you know, this opportunity for me with the athletic came up. But uh, yeah, I mean, you do go through like an existential crisis because this isn't a nine to five job. This is something you have to. It's a lifestyle, really, yeah. more than anything. And um, I mean, you and Greg were in a testament of that. I mean, because that was full bore for you guys. I mean, that was you know your lives, and yeah. you know to have someone in some corporate office, Lord knows where, uh, say no, you can't do it anymore. I mean, that's that's tough to accept. Yeah, and, and you start thinking, you know, you have a family, kids, yeah. like bills, yeah. mortgages, you know, all that all that stuff starts to creep in your head, and you're just wondering, you know. How am I going to get through this? What's 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 next? You know, you obviously you want to stay in the business, but you know, you keep looking and there's nothing there. Yeah. You got to start looking elsewhere and, and hoping you're you're able to find something that can you know help you stay on your feet. And it's it's tough, man. It was it wasn't it wasn't a fun summer. Let me yeah. tell you that. Uh, that sense of community you talked you mentioned too about like our little group here. I, that was another thing I really missed was you know going uh, if I covered a penguin game and some of the national paper in town we'd go to that dumpy little shale Shales, store yeah. <laughs> and I, that's a place I would never go to in a million years otherwise. But <laughs> since all our friends with the PHWA, yeah. Scott Burnside and you know uh, Pierre LeBron, everyone you know they want to go to shales and I was like okay we'll go to shales and you know. Not being part of that community to me was another part of that that I just really missed or, or was scared not to be a part of it. Yeah, because it's funny because like the draft is always kind of like the uh, the last day of summer camp where everyone goes away to their cottages for the summer and you see them again in the fall and um, you know it's such a kind of a welcoming group where you could just hey we're going to this bar tonight. Why don't you guys come yeah. out and just come in and grab a drink and just you know talk hockey or, or whatever for a couple hours with with people that you see. You know, on the road all the time. Maybe you see them every once in a while, but it's it's a it's a it's a really fun community. A lot a lot of great people in it, and you know, a lot of a lot of great stories. Some you, you can't tell on a podcast, um, but <laughs> but it, definitely a lot of memories are made when you, when you see these people constantly. You know, at every single you know, major event. These are the only people on earth that know the aggravation of an overtime game. <laughs> well, you know, those, I guess the ones on deadline. Well, the people on deadline, also the ones who are thinking, okay, well, we're in a sea that has two, a two o'clock, you know, last call, as opposed to New York where it's four p.m. Uh, four four a.m. So. That's true. Um, let me ask you too about Puck Day. Why do you think it ended up being so popular? Was it just because you guys were on a big platform, or I mean, do you, or was it a mixture also of just the things you guys did? I mean, yeah, I think it's. I mean, anyone can have a platform. It's kind of what you do with it. Yeah. And I, we we were able to be creative, create, kind of create a sense of community, and like I said, be a place where people can go where you're going to laugh, you're going to be informed, you're going to be entertained. Um, you're you're going to find stuff maybe you won't find on many other sites and um you know over time we just you know and we we I mean, we'd write like seven eight nine ten yeah. posts a day so it'd be constantly stuff almost every hour throughout the day so people would keep checking back and um and we also like, would reach out to other blogs we'd have our daily headlines post where we like not just like the tsn sports nest but also get a blog spot blog Send us a link to, yeah. to a story written. We'll, we'll link it up. Or if it's interesting, we'll we'll, we'll include it in, in our biggest story post where yeah. we're throwing in someone's different opinion on, on whatever topic we're writing about. So, um, I, you know, and over time it, it just built more and more popular. And I think being active on Twitter, um, uh, responding to reader feedback, you know, whether it's wading through the comments yeah. safely, you know, <laughs> the Yahoo comments are, aren't the best place really, but also through email, people kind of 
sending us their thoughts and things. Yeah. And, um, you know, people just people just you know reacted positive to, yeah. to what we were doing, and, and it just grew into this this big big thing. And uh, it, it was it was nine years of, of it was work, but it was fun. It was, it was fun hockey writing. Yeah. How much did the did the rise of say social media? I mean, you guys doing this before say Twitter was really commonly known. I mean, how much did the rise of Twitter specifically really maybe change the way you guys do yeah. things? Yeah. I'll be honest, for me, like. I used to do like live blogs, and you know they were popular at one point, and now they, they, those really are kind of so like dinosaur yeah. bounds anymore because you know people can just literally live blog on Twitter if they choose to do so. I don't understand that. <laughs> um, it, to me, that that was maybe one minor way that, that changed the things I was doing with my old blog. But you know, how did things change in that regard for you guys? Yeah, I used to bust Craig's chops because he used to do used to love doing the live chats through I think it was like Cover It Live yeah, during yeah. like the big games, like the gold medal game or the Stanley Cup final, and I'd be like. You don't need to do that anymore. We have Twitter. Yeah. Twitter is right here. That's the conversation. But it's funny. Back, you know, we started in April two thousand eight. So Twitter was just really yeah. getting going. I don't think I was on Twitter for like another year or so. But like, there would be nights where there would be like a, a crazy goal or a highlight or something, mm-hmm. and we'd be like, oh, we'll get we'll get it the next morning." Now it's it's old yeah. news, right? Yeah. So you know, once Twitter came and you know you start seeing the highlights of people making the gifts, so you know if you're watching one game, you know what was going on in the other game. If there was a crazy highlight or some sort of news going, well, then you gotta go, you know, go grab it and get it up there. But um, it, you know, obviously, getting stories out there, news, um, interaction with, yeah. with readers, and uh, it, it helped tremendously because you know the following just grew, and, and like I said, people just just took to the site and really. Really, really enjoy what we were doing. How much uh, do you think the, 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 your work with the NBC site will be Puck Daddy 2.0, or will this have a different feel to it? Different spin. That's kind of what I want to do. A new crew, as you mentioned. It's kind of what I mean. I don't know how many posts on average they were doing daily yeah. before, but I, I want to cut that back and you know, if we could get a certain number of just quality yeah. and depth things, and you know, I, I, I liked how we did it at Puck Daddy, and that's kind of what I want to do here. Uh, a couple more, and I'll let you go here. Um, you're based out of New York here. I mean, you, so you have three teams here: Islanders, Rangers, and Devils, all within driving distance here. For how much does that benefit you? If say you want to talk to Max Domi and he's playing the Devils, it's yeah, it's and, great. Yeah, you, know, you don't have to wait. Say if you were <laughs> just based in Boston, you had to wait yeah. until April or whatever for the Coyotes to roll through. I mean, how, how beneficial is that for you to be within all three teams' area here? Jump to each each building whenever a certain team comes into town. It's it's tremendously helpful, especially like the West Coast teams. They usually hit all three teams at one time on a road trip. So, if that's the case, and you have a number of days to go visit them, and whether it's at MSG or Barclays or, or Jersey, it's it, it's great. So, um, having three teams here, you get your pick of the litter. Really, yeah. I mean, every week there's at least one or two or three different games that you could potentially go to if you're working on something and. Um, the teams are, are, are always helpful, especially when they come yeah. here. And usually when they come here, too, you know, on those trips, you have, you know, some days off in between or just practice days. So if you get them on a practice day at one of the rinks around here, you know, you can get some quality stuff from the guys. Um, and you live on Long Island? Yep. And, so, and I think I did the math on this. I think all three buildings, as the crow flies, are within a radius of, like, 23 <laughs> miles of each other. So, But it's, it's like New York miles. So yeah, so, but, I mean, it's fairly easy to get around, yeah. provided you mm-hmm. have some time to plan or whatever. Like, how long would it take you to say to get to Newark to go to the Devils? I, I take the train everywhere, so from, from my place to New York, it's probably like an hour and 20, hour and a okay. half or so, to the Garden, it's about 50 minutes, and to Barclays, it's 
about an hour with a, a switch uh, of the train. So everything's very, very accessible, not too much of a crazy commute to get to either place. Yeah. Sometimes if you're lucky after one of the games, you can get an express train so it's even quicker. Barclays is the one place I haven't been yet. I think we actually discussed this beforehand. Yeah. But uh, tell me, what, what's that like from a media perspective? I mean, it's not a hockey building, really. I mean, it's they, they yeah. put a nice rink down there, but it's not a hockey building. And I, I, from my understanding, the press facilities aren't, aren't ideal, I guess. They're, they're fine. You know, the press box is in the corner, but it's just have a good view of the game. The, the building I, I covered when they were in the playoffs a couple years ago, I covered the Tampa series, and it, yeah. it can get loud. I mean, it reminded me a little bit. Not quite, but a little bit of the NASA Coliseum as far as you know, just how loud it could get when the Islanders scored. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't in the building when John Tavares scored that overtime goal to get him out of the yeah. first round. I can only imagine how loud it was then. But yeah, it's it's wasn't built for hockey. It's not really the. It's not obviously not the long-term future of the new owners there, and they're trying to get something going at, at Belmont Park, which they'll find out about. I'm sure within the next four to six months if they're able to build there. But um, it's. Uh, it's that's obviously not the Coliseum. And yeah. It's obviously Long Island fans, Islander fans, are, they're still connected to the Nassau Coliseum. Growing up, going on the Meadowbrook Parkway, the Southern State Parkway, yeah. going to the games, you know, tailgating in the parking lot. You can't do that, Barclays. There's no parking lot tailgating. Yeah. Uh, you know, doing the Let's Go Islanders chant on your horns or you're leaving the, the Coliseum after a game. You just you grow up there. I mean, I went to my first ever hockey game there. Um, and people still have a lot of memories there, and it's just it's just tough because the Islanders are they're not fully committed to Brooklyn, as we were talking about earlier. Like the practice facility is like across the street from Nassau Coliseum on Long Island. A lot of the community events they do are on Long Island, so um, it's obvious they want to still kind of be on Long yeah. Island. It's just you know the politicians got in the way, and they're not going to be redoing Nassau Coliseum because. That's just that's just yeah. beyond that. That that's lost. They're not they're not going back to the Coliseum. The new owners want their own you know new arena. And you know selfishly, I hope you know hopefully you'll be able to get it in, uh, in Belmont Park. Be a, a little better commute for me there. My favorite part about Nassau Coliseum uh, was the, the, the staircase from the ramshackle press box down to <laughs> the event level where you can get to the dressing rooms. And there's a big sign that says "There's asbestos here." Not like yeah, oh yeah, you know, watch out or you know, just there's asbestos here. Like yeah, it's a four-year-old okay. building. You know, it comes it comes with it. It's it's, it's part of the charm. Uh, last two here. Uh, what do you hate or what do you dislike about this business the most? That's tough. I really don't hate anything. The hours, like, the, no. just the demand on time where I mean, something yeah, happens, I mean, you have to go do it. And... It's, it's. I mean, we're writing about hockey for a living. Like, yeah. what's there to hate? Yeah, there's some annoyances with, you know, travel sometimes, but like, right, let me ask you this. Hockey. Let me ask you this. What, what do you hate or dislike about the journalism business, if that's maybe a better way to phrase it? The, the fact that so many people lose their job seemingly on every base, every year basis. I mean, it's just, it seems like every year, this, it, and it always happens like at the same time. You know, there's always like these packs of one month. It's just wave after wave. This people in just various sports, or, or even just general journalism, just yeah. losing their jobs because newspapers are cutting back, or websites are cutting back, and um, even TV and radio. Even TV, yeah, TV and radio as well. It's it's just it's just tough to see because you know you you look at places like ESPN. They, it's not like they were cutting back people for the lack of quality. They are, they cut some very very good writers there. So. Um, Hopefully, you know whether it's the athletic or some kind of model is you know comes up where it can be sustainable and people can grow and these sites can grow and grow and grow and, and just provide readers with you know unique you know insight and, and journalism to whatever it is whether it's sports politics whatever because uh, you know just seeing people lose their job year after year for 
because a company is failing, it, it's terrible. And you might have answered this one, but uh, already. But what do you love about the business the most? Just writing about hockey. Yeah. Like tonight, we're going to be watching the Penguins and Rangers, and this is our job. Hopefully, in regulation. Yeah, hopefully in regulation. And you know, in, in the last two Junes, we we've been able to watch the Stanley Cup final. I mean, it's something we grew up watching. I mean, I remember I covered my first Stanley Cup final, 2013's Bruins and Blackhawks, and. It was right after the, the Blackhawks came back and won in game six. And I'm waiting to go out on the ice with Greg Wyshynski. And I, I lean over to him. I'm like, can you believe this is our job? We're about to walk on the ice. You know, Jonathan Taves has the cup like 15 feet away from us. He's lifting it up. And um, it's, I've been able to cover the, you know, the, the cup clinching game every year since 2013. And every year I'm, I'm, I feel like a kid. Like these guys are you know, celebrating something I watched every year as a kid. Just... You know, when my hockey dreams died, uh, I had to find another way to get closer to the game. So being able to write unique stories about the game and the players and, and cover amazing events like, like the Stanley Cup Final, it's like, uh, I don't want to do anything else. Thank you to Sean. As I said in the interview, one criticism I had of Pro Hockey Talk and a lot of other big media blogs, if that term makes sense, is uh, they essentially would just become aggregators. And what that means is uh, they have people kind of just sitting there at laptops waiting for a reporter on site to tweet a news item, and then they build their own story off of it. They slap a nice photo at the top of it and give, us, give it a search engine optimization-friendly headline, and they reap the benefits without doing much of the actual work. So here, does Sean, here to, so to hear that Sean is taking pro hockey talk in a different direction with you know, some actual original reporting, is that really excites me. And I wouldn't expect anything less from Sean. That's the approach he took with Yahoo, and I'm, I'm sure he'll do the same with NBC. Uh, but, yeah, again, thank you to Sean for his time. Uh, his work can be found on Pro Hockey Talk. And on Twitter, he is available at Sean Leahy. That's S-E-A-N underscore L-E-A-H-Y. If you have any questions for, for me, feel free to tweet them to me at Seth Robaugh, S-E-T-H-R-O-R-A-B-A-U-G-H. And the PHWA can be found on Twitter at the PHWA and we're on Facebook as well. Thank you for listening.